gentlemen, this is Mark Rossetti Jr., co-host of the Wit and Whiskey cast, and this week we're going to be doing something a little different for you. Now, you know, you may have heard last week we started our uh, episode, we were a little behind, I didn't have internet, you know, I kind of set us back three, four, five days or whatever it was, and because of that we're still, uh, we're still a little bit behind, you may have noticed the episode came out a little bit later. Our weekend's been whole shuffled around, and we all just have a lot of stuff going on this week. So, with all that going on, coupled with the fact that this is going to be a rather contentious topic, the future console wars, we decided to let you, the viewer, decide. We're going to go individually. We're going to do sort of half episodes here. Almost sort of uh, political campaign ads, if you will, to get us to vote for our respective horses in the future console war race. So, you know, I don't even need DJ this week. Much as I love him, he's just going to slow me down because I'm channeling back to my college radio DJ days and I'm going to do the overnight. I'm here alone in the 1821 studios. I got the lights off. I have a glass of delicious whiskey in front of me. I'm imbibing on a wonderful tobacco product and I'm just going to go, baby. We're going to have stream of consciousness for the next 15 to 25 minutes. And I'm going to tell you all about the latest and greatest, the Steam Deck, and why it just blows away the latest thing from Nintendo. And you know, we're not even going to do, I said this is a political campaign ad, we're not even going to do an attack ad, we're not even going to go all super pack on ya, you know, throw away all that dark money that they like to say. I don't need to attack the Switch to tell you why the Steam Deck is infinitely better. You're going to find that out in the next few minutes. Now, uh, obviously, since this is a sort of half episode, we're not going to do our usual banter. We're not going to tell you about what we did this week. Uh, There's a lot of baseball on my end, but that's another story. I'm not going to do whiskey news as such, except to tell you that I have finished the Infinity Bottle. I put the last bit in. I put a little bit in of what I'm drinking this evening, which I'll tell you about in a minute. So there now are 21 and a half ounces of 14 different whiskeys sitting in the bottle, just mingling together, getting to know each other. And on top of that, I threw in an aging stick today, and I'm going to let that simmer. But when we open up our 50th episode, when we do our one-year anniversary, that's what I'm going to review is going to be the Infinity Bottle. But that's then. This is now. That's the closest thing to whiskey news you're going to get this week. I'm sorry. I know you're all heartbroken. I am too. But to keep some sense of normalcy and to keep us somewhat whiskey adjacent, we are going to review drinks this week. Now, I'm sure, I don't know, I haven't talked to him, but I'm sure, I can almost guarantee, tea, DJ's going to do a cocktail. So, as always, I have to strap the WMW to my back and carry us towards the glorious on the rocks promised land that you all come here to listen to. You want to know what to buy. When you are in your liquor stores, when you are staring down the beautiful, wonderful brownie elixir aisle, and I'm here for you, ladies and gentlemen. Wallio is here for you. So, this week, what am I drinking? Well, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I'm drinking some Templeton four-year-old rye. You can hear it clanging about. Yeah, it's delicious. Now, Templeton is very, very interesting because, of course, it's a rye and has that good, solid rye bite, but it's got a little bit of almost wintergreen taste to it, almost like a 
double mint flavor. Not like a gum, but like a, a cool, you know, refreshing uh, eucalyptus-y almost rush in the back of it. So, okay, so this unique rye is actually a, like, 100-plus-year-old recipe developed by Alphonse Kirchhoff, who was a dude in Templeton, Iowa. But at some point, this recipe, if it's even real, if it's even if that's even the story, uh, went to the MGP Distillery, which is in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. So it's, uh, you know, kind of interesting. It's still a Midwestern thing. Uh, take all these stories with a grain of salt. You know, we took... We talked at length about this during the Benedictine episode. Any old school, long drawn out fairy tale with whiskey or any alcohol, you know, chances are it's not true. But that, you know, especially here with Templeton, uh, because the MGP distillery actually was uh, the subject of a class action lawsuit over deceptive marketing practices. So, yeah, I don't know. But that's what we're reviewing today, because regardless of the distillery, regardless of the story behind the recipe, it's actually really, really good. Uh, it's got like a light goldy color to it, almost like a yellowy, syrupy color. Uh, gives you a little tiny hint of sweetness when you smell it, and you still smell that good solid rye bite. First thing you, you taste when you taste it, boom, that rye bite, boom, right on your tongue, just a little bit of the burn. And... Then you sort of get that wintergreeny eucalyptus feeling. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. And then it fades off into that good solid whiskey burn. Uh, sometimes you get a little sweetness, almost like a caramelly taste, but not really. I mean, most of the time it's just rye and mint, which sounds awful, but trust me, it's a lot better than you think it is. Uh, I said I finished off the Infinity Bottle with it today, an ounce and a half. Uh, overall, it's kind of a short palate. Like, it just hits you up front, and then it just sort of snaps away. It's not like a long, drawn-out, doesn't have a lot of multiple phases, doesn't have a lot of this. It's just get in, get out, get on with your life. But it's one of the few ryes, I would say, is actually refreshing. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know, it's almost like, you know, an alcoholic Hall's cough drop. Again, I, I know I'm making it sound a lot worse than it is, but just try. It's not that expensive. It's between $30, $35.00. Has the four-year-old age statement, as we already said. Uh, and it's uh, 80 proof, which, you know, you could drink enough of it and you'd be feeling pretty good. I can't actually find the mash bill, unfortunately. But I'm going to say that it's it's not a quote-unquote underage rye that we talk about. It, it's, it's pretty rye So that's my review for whiskey this week, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you'll go out and pick up a bottle because, you know, I'd heard about it for a while. I'd heard that it was different. I didn't know it was specifically it was different, what was different about it. I didn't know about the mint, but I had heard about it, heard it was different, heard that I should give it a shot and was happy enough I was able to find a bottle. I went to a different liquor store than my usual one and was able to find a bottle. So, hey, good on you. Now we come to the matter at hand. Now we come to the future console wars. And, you know, all right, full disclosure, I think I've mentioned this in a few of our other console war episodes. I am not a handheld gaming guy. I'm just not. I owned a Game Boy Color. I owned a, a Game Boy Advance. I owned two 3DSs, both of which I sold. 
The only actual handheld system I still have, get drum roll please, is I still have a Sega Game Gear, which is in a box at my parents' house. Just because, you know, the original Sonic the Hedgehog and NHL All-Star Hockey and, believe it or not, the Beavis and Butthead game. You know, just all of those. I can't bear myself to get rid of it. But I'm not a handheld gaming guy. As much as I love video games, I don't... I never understood the point. I don't know why you need to take gaming with you on the go. I mean, okay, Tetris on a train, you know, the original Game Boy selling point. That's a lot of fun, but I just... Eh. And... I think the, you know, the lack of proper mobile games, and, you know, I could just hear everyone screaming. You know, I'm not saying mobile games aren't games. You play mobile games, that's fine. My mother sits at home and plays Candy Crush all day on her tablet. I'm saying we have phones now that are basically computers. We have phones now with dual-core processors. We have phones now with 6, 8, 10, 12 gigs of RAM. We could run proper games on phones now, and there really aren't any. I mean, even the Nintendo mobile games are like, you know, Temple Run, but with a Mario skin. So, uh, despite the Game Boy's insane sales, and, you know, I believe the, the Game Boy Advance is still the highest selling system of all time. Despite that, I don't think the market is as rich for handheld gaming as everyone says it is. So that's all up front. I am not a handheld guy, which is the main reason why I still don't have a Switch, much to DJ's constant annoyance. Uh, to me, I'm sorry, it's just a handheld console. That's all it is. I don't play handheld. I don't do anything like that. Everyone that I've talked to, with the exception of DJ, who's a little biased, says that, well, yeah, if you're not going to use it undocked, there's really no point because, you know, the games that are on it, you can 90% of them you can buy on PlayStation and Xbox, and they run a lot better on those than they do on a Switch. And I can honestly say that it will never, ever, ever, if I were to ever get a Switch, uh, come out of the dock. I wouldn't take it anywhere. And part of that is because I don't like mobile gaming, as we've just beat to death, and part of that is because I was blown away at how small it is. And this, this is not a bit, this is not anything. I just recently discovered how small a Switch actually is. I was always under the impression that they were tablet size, that you know they were a little bit less than the screen on a laptop. And then I saw a photo of one, and I went, wait a minute, that's freaking tiny. And yeah, I mean, they have a, a really small screen, uh, they're coming out with a new one, the, what is it, OLED, which has a slightly bigger screen, 7.2 inches uh, corner to corner. But again, you've heard me the last two weeks, I've been so happy I bought the Samsung Fold. Samsung Fold has a 7.66 inch screen. So <laughs> I have a phone that has a bigger screen than the screen on the big switch. So with my tired eyes, no, that, that, that's not going to work. But all right, I said we're not going to run down the switch. We're not going to run down the switch. Here we go with this. The pure specifications of the Steam Deck sell itself. Now, so it's running the Steam OS, which is basically Linux, uh, which is good because we should be getting away from Microsoft. We shouldn't go to Apple. They're worse. But we should be getting away from Microsoft, preferably to Android, but I'll take the Steam OS. Um, I, I run a version of the Steam OS on my Chromebook because you can split it so you know you can run Linux and or Steam and then you can run uh, the Chrome OS, which is what I have, which is what I'm recording on right now, actually. So I have that. I like that. 
60 gigahertz refresh rate. It's wonderful. Uh, it has 16 gigs of RAM. It has a quad-core processor. You know, I just said a minute or two ago that we have phones that are basically computers now. That's true to an extent, but it's also hyperbole. But this isn't a video gaming system that could be a computer. This is a PC that you hold in your hands. 64 gigabytes of, of storage. And that's the base model. That's the entry-level model. It has 64 gigs of storage. Uh, the middle ground model, which is what Steam expected most people to buy, 256 all the way up to 512. And that's just the onboard memory. That's just the built-in memory because it has a micro SD card slot. And you could buy these insane multi-terabyte SD cards now. So you could expand that five, six, seven times over easily. You know, it has Bluetooth. It has dual-band Wi-Fi. So you get the 2.4 gigahertz. You get the 5 gigahertz. You get as many gigahertz as you could possibly want. Uh, USB Type-C charging. Unless you still worship at the, Apple, at the altar of Apple and Steve Jobs, you have a million USB Type-C chargers laying around. I mean, I literally gave two away last week. I still have 50 more than I'll ever know what to do with. Everybody has them. They're all over the place. It only weighs 1.47 pounds. It doesn't even weigh two pounds. And you get all this insanity. Prices starts at $399. It's nothing for a, a computer. $529 for the, the middle grade. About the same as your uh, PS4, or PS5 rather, if you could find one. And then $649.99 for the big bad man, Majama. Now, it's not all good. The battery life has an alarming range uh, of two to eight hours. Seems a little big. Can't we, can't we narrow that down a little bit? Is it closer to two? Is it closer to eight? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, so that, that's not quite good. The probably the worst part, and again, you know, I slag on the switch for this, but I we have to be fair in the interest of fairity. The screen is just too goddamn small, seven inches even, corner to corner. Again, I just bought a phone that has a whole extra half an inch, and any guy will tell you an extra half an inch goes a long way. So I don't understand why the screens have to be so small. You know, on the big $650 version, you get an anti-glare coating on the screen. I don't want an anti-glare coating. I want a bigger screen. I'd pay $650 for a bigger screen. And yes, I understand you can dock it, just like you can dock a switch, but eh, if you're docking it at that point, it's just a PC. And yes, that's true. It is basically a PC. We've gone over the memory. We've gone over the RAM. Uh, the graphics card, it has uh, 8R DNAs, which I'm guessing are good. I don't know. But it can run at 1.6 gigahertz for the, the graphics cards. So I know those numbers those are high. So it basically is a PC. But again, if you're going to dock it, if you're going to pay that much money, if I'm going to pay $650 for a computer, I'll probably buy a laptop. You know, or I'll buy a tablet. So it's not really addressing the main thing. But then there comes the big one. Then there comes the ace in the hole. Then there comes the thing that every time I sit there and go, you know, I really don't want to play. I don't really don't want to buy that. I don't need another handheld console. I'm just going to sell it. I'm just going to do this and that. There's that trump card just in the back of the mind. 
Gabe Newell, Steve, Valve, however you want to call them, them, they, claim that it's going to sync with your entire Steam library. So all, all the games you have on Steam right now, boom, you'll be able to play them on the go anywhere you want. And that's not just your Steam library. That's the entirety of the Steam library. So you can now buy games, download them, and they'll go right to your Steam Deck. And unless you've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, 10 years, however the fuck long Steam's been going on, you'll know that the number is insane. So insane, I could not find a current number of Steam games. The most recent one I found was February 15th of this year, of 2021. So... What, the better part of five months ago? And as of five months ago, there was just under 50,100. 50,046 games were listed around Valentine's Day weekend of this year. 50,000. Ranging from AAA titles like Red Dead, like GTA, um, Cyberpunk, you name it, to, you know, Co-op shooters, uh, GTFO is on there, Killing Floor, insane real-time strategy games, Age of Empires, uh, the Army Men RTS, all of those, all the way down to, you know, the better part of 2,000 hentai games, if that's your thing. You know, you can see animated boobies. They have literally something for everyone on Steam. And that's the trump card. Anytime you sit there and go, eh, I don't know, it's 50,000 games. Boom, done. Just 50,000. Like, we talked about the PlayStation launch, the original PlayStation launch against the Saturn, when the head of Sony just walked up to the microphone and just went three ninety nine, and then that was it. It was over. Gabe Dill just needs to come out and just go 51,000 games and then just leave. It's over. It's done. Yeah, it's got a tiny-ass screen. Hopefully somebody... They, everyone's had a tiny-ass screen. I mean, for the Game Gear, I have this big screen magnifier box thing that a third party made that was strapped to the top of it. Hopefully somebody will do that. Stick one of those on top of it. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, I did keep an eye on the pre-order sales for the Steam Deck, and they actually put in not one, not two, but three forms of anti-bot protection. They were trying to fight the scalpers. They were trying to fight the resale. Now, I'm sure they didn't get all of them. I mean, you can almost never get all of them. But because of this, far more went into people's hands than the current Xbox and the current PlayStation, than maybe even the new Switch. I don't know. I haven't really been following that. You had to confirm yourself that you weren't a robot. You had the randomized queue. When you got to the front of the line... Uh, they gave you a waiting period. You couldn't just instantly put the things in your cart and buy. The, the little buy button was ghosted. You had to wait so long. And then there even was like a two-factor authentication thing. They were sending you an email code, and you had to put that in just to make sure you were really a person. And because of that, you see on you know, Reddit and PC Gamer and all these different sites, people that are going, you know, I actually got one. I wanted one, and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I actually got one. It took a little while. I had to wait, but I ended up with one. So, uh, it can be done. I mean, you know, we talked about this during the Saturn uh, original PlayStation episode. Uh, Sony doesn't care. And they've 
at least to their credit, they're pretty open about the fact that they don't care. But they don't care. Uh, but Steam at least is trying. So the technology is out there. Uh, they are, of course, sold out. Uh, and they're sold out until most of the way into 2022. Um, the last article I saw said that they probably wouldn't really be able to take any more pre-orders and numbers until fourth quarter 2022. So basically a full calendar year. So good on them. I mean, it worked. Uh, they seem to have pulled it off. They made a shitload of money, which, you know, God bless them. And that's the other thing, too. If you're still on the fence, if the 51,000 games doesn't do it, if the fact that you can, you know, dock it to everything and make it basically a PC doesn't do it, uh, if the fact that you can take it everywhere doesn't do it, you're giving Valve money. And if you give Valve money, there's a chance they might release Half-Life 3. Or, if not that, maybe more importantly, maybe Portal 3. I mean, there's a chance. It probably won't happen, but you can comfort yourself with that at night. Uh, you know, if you're still on the fence, if you're uber, uber, uber on the fence. And, I mean, it's a PC, essentially. It's a PC that doesn't run Windows. So, you know, probably by March or April of next year, somebody will have it completely jailbroken. And pretty much whatever you want to do on it, you'll be able to do on it if that's your bag. Um, that was always the one bonus of portable gaming to begin with, you know, whether it was the PSP. Oh, I did own a PSP. I forgot about that when I was talking about my portable gaming. I did own a PSP. That fucking sucked. Uh, but whether it was the PSP or even the early Switches and everything, everybody was just jailbreaking them. And that was the main thing for that. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm intrigued by the Steam Deck. I I want you to vote for the Steam Deck. I want you to vote with, you know, not just in this little competition with DJ, but also with your wallets. I want it to succeed as an idea. But I have to be, you know, pretty honest with you. You know, just between you and me, listeners, as we sit here in the darkened 1821 studios alone, I don't know if I'm going to buy one. Because, again, as I said, I'm not into portable gaming. I don't really think I need one. Uh, hopefully, by the time the Steam Deck is restocked, you'll be able to get a PS5. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, who am I kidding? Uh, but that being said, I think I'm much, much more likely to buy one than I am a Switch. And again, as much as DJ won't believe this and as much as I love to rag on him and rag on the Switch, that isn't an in, uh, that's not indicative of the Switch. It's not a knock on the Switch. It's really more of a plus for the Steam Deck. Uh, they have done something that Sony was not able to do with the Vita, that Nintendo was not really able to do with the 3DS, even though I bought one, that they weren't able to do with the Switch. Uh, that Microsoft wasn't able to do with the Surface. Basically, they made me look at a portable console and go, huh, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, I'm sure everyone listening is probably screaming, why don't you talk about where the controls are? Why don't you talk about where the controls are? God damn it, that looks so uncomfortable. I have seen that online. Everybody's saying that looks so uncomfortable, that that's this, that's that. I don't know. It, they're all bunched together, but to me it looks like they're actually 
right where you would want them. I mean, I've got really fat palms on my hands. They would fit on the bottom of it. Your thumbs go up. You have two joysticks. You have buttons. Are they a little close together? Yeah, probably. Um, Will somebody with fat fingers like mine probably hit them? Maybe. But I don't think it looks uncomfortable, per se. Uh, But again, until we get them in stores, until we can actually play with them, and fuck with the coronavirus being the way it is, God only knows. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to have demo units out anywhere. I mean, you can't even... When you go and buy a phone, they don't even let you play with the demo units uh, because of the virus. But... You know, I don't know. That I think we're not going to know until the end. But to me, they look fine. And I mean, the ones on the, the Switch look fine. Although I, I do like that on the Steam Deck that you can't take them off. To me, that was always the one problem with the Switch. And I know that's the point. You dock it and there's motion controls and yada, yada, yada. But I like rather it all be together. It's a little bit more sturdier. It's a little bit more encased. It's, you know, feels more like a console than, than anything else. But that's just my opinion. So, yeah, I've rambled. Uh, And, hey, you know, after this week, folks, after you listen to my ramblings, after you listen to DJ's heartfelt, I know it's going to be heartfelt. I I haven't even talked to him about what he's going to say, but I know it's going to be heartfelt. His absolute heartfelt defense of the Switch. After you listen to the two of us separately, you're going to go, God damn, it's no wonder they never do this normally. We really do need one another to bounce off of each other. Uh, that's you know that's why if we ever get divorced, you know I don't know which one of us is going to get the wit. We both have whiskey, but I don't know which one of us is going to get the wit. But hey, it's been fun killing a half hour or so with you guys. Uh, as I said, this was just for this week because we're still a little bit behind, and we still wanted to. We thought the topic was interesting, and so this way we can ensure that we can get it out to y'all in a timely fashion. Normal service will resume next week. I promise. And I can even let you in on a little secret that not even DJ knows. I have booked us a guest for the 8th. Yes, the rumors are true. I haven't been telling stories. Uh, my good friend, my coworker, Allison Earl, is going to be coming in on August 8th to record which will, what will be the August 13th episode? Whatever the Friday is after the 8th. Uh, Allie's going to come in, and we're going to do another part on our favorite thing in the world, on tabletop games, on D&D, on that sort of thing. She's going to be talking about Pathfinder, which is basically D&D 3.5, although don't tell her I said that, and Change of the Lost. Uh, I've played some Pathfinder. It's a lot of math. I've not played Change of the Lost, but I'm not an expert in either of them. DJ isn't an expert in either of them. So we're going to bring Allie in, and she's a good time. She's going to have a couple drinks, probably get silly. And she's going to tell us all about some good DMing stories she has. So that's something that DJ doesn't even know yet. So, again, normal service will resume next week. Then we're going to have guests and yada, yada, yada. As for, as for this week, well, that's all she wrote. Hey, everybody. Well, thanks, Mark, for passing the torch over here. Uh, I'm DJ Gagnon, your other Witten Whiskey host, and because of the asynchronous nature of this episode, we are recording separately, and you won't get to hear the the banter that you know and love. But we're going to kind of switch up the format a little bit this week. We're going to give you a chance 
to vote. We're going to uh, release, uh, if, I, if we can figure it out, we're going to release some polls on social media, and you can reply back and tell us what you think. Uh, would you go for the, the Steam Deck, or would you go for the Nintendo Switch? So that's kind of our format today. I'm sure Mark already explained it. Um, but because Mark's not here, uh, you know, there's going to be no banter. We, I, I'm not going to tell you much about what happened this week. Uh, that there was certainly some magic in my week, but uh, more on that later. And uh, because Mark's not here to uh, rant about it, I'm going to make a cocktail. Uh, so let me uh, let me tell you a little bit about that before I convince you that Nintendo Switch is the only way to go. Uh, I am drinking today a B-52. Uh, it's a fairly common cocktail. Uh, I didn't really look up the history about it because Mark's not here, and I get to uh, not be the historian. Uh, but it's a pretty fascinating cocktail. It's uh, part of a group of cocktails uh, known as layered cocktails. Uh, cocktails are vastly different. There's many, 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 many different kinds, and some of the cocktails uh, play visually with uh, layering different ingredients on top of each other and kind of playing with the viscosity to make sure that they uh, they separate nicely. And uh, it, you'll see a lot of these around the 4th of July. There's actually quite a few uh, red, white, and blue layered shots and layered cocktails. The B-52 is a really really tasty cocktail it's it's sweet it's 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 wonderful uh it's only got three ingredients and there's two different ways to make it you can make it as a cocktail which i've done today or you can make it as a shot uh and the only real difference is the amount of each liquor you're going to put into the cocktail uh if you do if you make this as a shot you're of course going to make it in a shot glass if you make it as a cocktail um i recommend uh, kind of like a whiskey tasting glass or maybe uh, like a Nick and Nora glass, something that's uh, skinny and, but not quite as skinny as like a champagne flute, something where you can see the layers and, and it looks nice. So if you, you want to see what the cocktail looks like, take a look at our uh, Instagram post this week. It's only three ingredients. Uh, it's a coffee liqueur, uh, a, a cream liqueur, and an orange liqueur. Uh, and I used a uh, friend of the show, Ryan, and, and her family makes uh, this absolutely fantastic co uh, coffee liqueur. So I, I used uh, what I have left. I've been rationing of that. Uh, I use Bailey's because, I mean, what other cream liqueur are you going to use, huh? And uh, in terms of orange liqueur, um, there's a lot of different kinds. Uh, I happen to have all of them, so I use Grand Marnier. And before I talk more about this cocktail, I'm actually going to do like a side jump and do a really mini tools of the trade, which is just to talk about orange liqueurs. Uh, there are many different kinds of orange liqueurs because orange is a very popular flavor in cocktails. Uh, it goes with everything. It adds a really nice citrus note on the back end of most cocktails without giving it uh, the, the tough acidity of lemon and lime. Uh, in this category, you've basically got the big four. Uh, you've got uh, Grand Marnier kind of stands at the top as the, the, the most bougie of all of them. It's, it's uh, a little bit more expensive. It, it tastes really good. It's, it's thick. It's, it's, it's nicely colored. 
the the mid tier orange liqueur is uh, Cointreau. Uh, Cointreau is used quite a bit in uh, martinis, and then um, your more standard orange liqueur is you know, everybody knows triple sec. Um, but the tool of the trade here comes in with the fourth one, which is known as Blue Curacao. And I found this really interesting when I did some research. Um, triple Sec and Blue Curacao are the same liqueur, basically. They're both orange. They're both relatively cheap. Uh, you can get them, I mean, they're usually sitting right in the shelf next to all of your cinnamon schnapps and, and you know, peppermint schnapps, all of that good stuff. Uh the cool thing about Blue Curacao is it's one of the very, very few blue liqueurs. Um, the only other one I can name off the top of my head is Hypnotic. And the reason why they turned it blue is because there was this fascination with making things brightly colored. I think we've talked a little bit about uh, the, the 80s and how everything was high sugar, high color, fun and exciting and explosive. And I have opinions about that, but we'll save them for later in the season. Uh, blue Curacao was introduced to allow bartenders to make blue cocktails because there really aren't that many. Uh, so there you go. The four orange liqueurs. You can make a B-52 with any of them. If you have Grand Marnier in hand, use Grand Marnier. It's delicious. And so the B-52, you layer it. And because of the viscosity of the li liqueurs, if you layer it correctly, you get three distinct layers in your cocktail. Um, and so to prepare a proper B-52, you're going to... Uh, I, I'm going to go by the shot here, but if you want to make it as a cocktail, you just increase each of the amounts of the liquor to uh, one ounce or one and a half if you want it to be pretty boozy. Uh, in the shot, each each liqueur is a third of an ounce. So you do a third of an ounce of coffee liqueur just straight into the, the shot glass. And then you do a third of an ounce of Baileys, but you use a layering technique where you pour it over the back of the spoon and you've put that, the bar spoon down and it, it's down the side of the, the shot glass almost touching the 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 liquor line and you pour in that third of an ounce of baileys and what you can do is you can watch it sink to the bottom it, it, it goes underneath the uh, coffee liqueur another way to do it especially if you're making a cocktail version you can stick the back of uh, the bottom of the spoon in and spiral the baileys down to the bottom uh, and that gives you that kind of cool effect. And then for the top layer, because Grand Marnier or Cointreau, they're going to be the lightest layer. You want that on the top. So you do the same sort of layering that you were doing before, but you turn the, uh, the spoon right side up. So the concave section is, is facing up, just like you would eat cereal. You pour it over... Uh, that way, and it kind of slowly trickles onto the top of the drink, and you end up with these striations. And as a shot, the cocktail is really effective. It looks really pretty. You've got that uh, nice brown cream layer at the bottom. You've got the coffee liqueur, that dark brown in the middle, and then you've kind of got this orangey... You know, if you use triple sack or blue curacao, 
it's going to be blue or clear. I don't recommend using either of them for a B-52. Um, you could certainly use triple sec. The blue might turn people off, and if you stir it, it's going to look kind of weird. Um, so you definitely want that orangey Cointreau or the Grand Marnier for this. Now, for a shot, it's all going down the same time, right? So you don't need to, you don't need to do anything with it. You keep it in the layers, you shoot it, it's, it tastes pretty good. With the cocktail version of it, if you're doing it for the gram, take the picture while you get the striations. And then stir it up. Shake it loose, swirl it in your glass until all the layers are, are mixed up. Because it's a cocktail, and you don't really just want to take a sip and get Grand Marnier. You want to you wanna get all the flavors together. And when you stir it up, it, it actually kind of looks like Bailey's. You've got that light orange liqueur and the, the dark Kahlua uh, mixing up to be about the same shade. So it really just kind of looks like maybe a slightly darker Bailey's. Uh, but it tastes really good. A, a B-52, it tastes, it tastes like a boozy latte with a citrus finish, which might sound a little weird. Uh, but if you want to turn this into a cold cocktail... Uh, there's a couple of ways of doing it, and you can you can chill your glass. You can use whiskey stones. Um, I don't re recommend watering it down, but you you certainly can. Uh, a cream liqueur and ice is I I don't love that, but um, you know you do you. Uh, but you can certainly get it cold. I'm drinking it neat so that Mark only has one or two things to yell about uh, next week. So yeah, if you get a chance, check out a B52. Uh, I made it today with one ounce of each. It, it's just a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one, uh, cocktail. Uh, be careful with it. Don't go shooting these constantly. You know, if, if you do the shots and it's just one ounce of liqueur each time, you're going to get messed up pretty quick after a few of these. Um, and a B-52, honestly, I don't love it in its shot form. It takes so much effort to layer these liqueurs that it, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend that much time doing it, I want to drink it slowly. So um, that that's my my hot take on B52s this week. Uh, which brings us to our really interesting debate this week, and you know Mark's not here to, uh, to for me to kind of go back and forth with, but he's already told you about the Steam Deck. So let me make my pitch for the Nintendo Switch. There's so many reasons to go with one or the other. But if you're looking for Steam, there's already PCs. There's already Steam consoles. Uh, there's Steam controllers. There, you know, Alienware has a whole line of consoles that can plug into your TV. And not everything is going to work under the Steam Deck. A fair amount will work. A good amount will work. Um, anything indie will definitely play. You'll probably be able to play uh, some of your AAAs right out of the box. The misgiving I have with it is that PC games tend to demand more and more and more power as they come out, right? You know, you're, you build a PC today, in two, three years, that thing's obsolete. 
And I tend to like to keep my Nintendo consoles around for a very long time. I tend to like to keep my PlayStations around. And I feel like this has always been the the big debate between, you know, the PC master race and the console gamers is what's your real aim? You know, do you want to play you know, games casually, or do you really care about graphics and frame rate and and getting the latest and greatest when it comes out and being able to play with your community online? It, it's all it's all kind of tied up in this. And the Steam Deck is a really interesting crossover. And I'll be honest, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot here. I might actually end up with a Steam Deck. Who knows? Um, it, it, I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm reading all the cool articles about it. It seems, it seems pretty cool. But the only reason I wouldn't get a Steam Deck is because it doesn't really fit for me. I have a Steam account just like anybody. Um, most of my Steam account is uh, games that require a keyboard and mouse. You know, I've, uh, some of my favorite games are like Shenzhen IO or Infinifactory. Um, and those aren't games that lend themselves well to the Nintendo Switch. You know, Shenzhen IO is, is a coding simulator. You're not going to play that without a keyboard. Um, but anything else that I have in my Steam account that I want to play is largely going to be an indie game. And the Nintendo Switch has become my indie console. Now, this isn't going to be true for everybody. Um, but... There are, I have dozens and dozens and dozens of games on the Switch now that are all just these little indie games that either I already owned on Steam, but you know I, I have a MacBook, so I, I never really got a, a good opportunity to play them, or things that I really wanted at a, a convention and just didn't you know didn't have a good machine for it. Uh, but you know I'm playing games like all my favorites from Super Giant Games. Uh, you know, things like Bastion and Pyre, Hades. Um, I'm playing all of the uh, little indies I saw at conventions, like Hob or M Mages of Mistralia. And it, it's largely replaced any need I would have had for Steam. Um, if I want to play a big AAA game, I'm not going to play it on a handheld console either way. So the Steam Deck and the, the Nintendo Switch don't really fit that need for me. Um, I have a PS5, and that is a powerhouse. Uh, I'm looking forward to games like Horizon uh, Forbidden West, and I'm looking forward to the new God of War game when it comes out, these really big, heavy uh, AAA games that you know the Switch isn't going to handle, and it's not going to be particularly fun to play on a small screen like the Steam Deck. Now, the Steam Deck might be able to handle all of those, and that, that's kind of interesting, but I also already own a PS5. Uh, and I feel like the Steam Deck is in this really interesting niche where I could see it being really cool and really interesting, but it doesn't, it doesn't have a place for me. The other side of why... You know, I've talked a lot about why not Steam Deck, so let me talk about why the Switch. The Switch does a lot of things really great. It, it learned its lessons from how the Wii U failed. And it learned from the Wii's successes. And it's also evolved. 
you know, I can plug it into my TV and there are games that I can play with motion controls and that's wonderful. I mean, Nintendo's, they figured out motion controls years ago. Uh, I thought the Wii was kind of peak of that before, um, before you get to VR. And for Nintendo, I, I don't come to Nintendo for graphics. I don't come to it because it's a powerhouse. I don't come to it because it's got uh, 4K, 60 frame rate uh, things going on. I come to Nintendo because it's a console and a company that I know and I trust with some of my favorite game franchises. And that ultimately, to me, is why I say yes, Switch. It's got Pokemon on it. It's got Zelda. There's a new Metroid coming this year and another one coming next year. Uh, the next Mario game that comes out is going to be on the uh, the Switch. None of these are going to the Steam Deck. Now we might get some of the stuff that I'm also nostalgic for on the uh, the Steam Deck. Things like the Mega Man collections. You know, there's rumors of a Battle Network collection coming, and I'm going to be buying that the second it comes out. Um, but I have like four or five games pre-ordered right now. They're all on Nintendo Switch. I'm not. I I'm, I don't have any. I haven't touched my Steam account in a couple of years, probably. Um, so I think it all really depends on what you want. Uh, Nintendo has been doing handheld systems since video gaming began, and they're really good at it. They're extremely good at handheld systems, and the Switch connects to the television flawlessly. Um, if I don't want to play those tiny controllers when it's in deck mode, I've got a pro controller. And yeah, the peripherals might get a little expensive here and there, but I mean, aren't the peripherals expensive for every console? I mean, I just bought another PS5 controller and the thing was 65 bucks. so... I, I think ultimately, for me, the Nintendo Switch has become this perfect niche in my life. I can play it when I'm going to bed. I can play it laying in my hammock in the yard if I wanted to. I can play it um, on my big TV. It's got all the indie games I want to play. It's got my favorite video game franchises. Um, I mean, Persona 5 Strikers just came to the Nintendo Switch, and there's a good chance we're going to get some of the uh, Atlas remakes for Persona if they ever announce them. Uh, the new Shin Megami Tensei game came to the Switch. The Nino Kuni games are on the Switch. There's so much on the Switch. There's actually so much in the Switch that it it could actually use with a bit of a it could use a store cleanup. You know, it's there's so much there. I feel like another twenty games a week are added to the Switch catalog, and that's been true the entire lifetime of the Switch. So I think that's my honest plea. Um, go out, check out the Switch. Get it. Uh, see what you think about it. Um, borrow a friend's. And try the Steam Deck when it comes out if you have somebody that, that has it. But for me, like I get a PS5 and I got a Switch and I don't need another console in my life. Um, it might be a cool thing to get, but you know, I'm... I'm starting to get to the point where just buying the cool console because I can own the cool console isn't is isn't what I want anymore out of video games. I want to know that there's going to be games I want to play on it, and 
I don't know how much my Steam library, the Steam Deck's going to play, but I know I've got dozens and dozens of games on the Switch I want to play. So um, I think that's all we've got this week. You know the drill. We're the Wit and Whiskey cast. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We have a Gmail. There's no H's where there's not supposed to be H's. There's E's where there's supposed to be E's. Just Google us. We come right up. We're number one on Google, our website, our Facebook. We're on just about 30 different podcasting platforms. Uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, a shitload more. iHeartRadio, yada, yada, yada. Listen to us wherever you want to listen to us. Subscribe us. Like us. Give us comments. Give us a review. Send us topics for whiskeys to drink. Send us topics of items to discuss. Send us possible guest ideas. You know, just send us messages saying, hey, this fucking sucked. Don't ever do a split episode again. Or maybe you like it. I don't know. So that's about it. Big shout out, as always, to Nuno Henry Silva for the intro and outro music. We'll be back normal next week. You know, you can listen to me on the Fireside History as well. I know DJ loves it when I plug my other podcast. But, you know, Fireside History, that's my other one. It's on every other bloody podcasting platform that this one's on. So, yeah. And then next week is the 50th episode Spectacular. We said normal service was going to resume. It's going to resume. We're going to crack open the infinity bottle. It's going to be as near as makes no difference one year from when we started the Witten Whiskey cast. And despite what, you know, it looks like with us here doing separate episodes, we are still talking to each other. <laughs> and we are still enjoying. So, you know, next week, the 50th episode spectacular. The week after is uh, Pathfinder and Whiskey. And then after that, I don't freaking know. But that's that. I'm out. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Whiskey Cast. Salute. Cheers. <laughs>